Deuteronomy 27 and 28. Deuteronomy is uh, just a striking book. It is written to the uh, second generation uh, Jews. Uh, of course, the first generation had perished in the wilderness. And uh, we, we are seeing here the uh, will of God laid out before this second generation. Uh, we, we could take time to review all the things. Uh, I have them listed here. I'm not going to do that. But it is one instruct. The book is one instruction after another. Just a cascading flow of God's will being presented to this second generation. And along the way, one of the things that I find striking when you f- flip through the book, uh, just every so often, there's like a little pause, and there's some explanation about why. You know, something. Something oftentimes simple that speaks to why this is so very important. One of the one of the things that I ran across that struck me in chapter five of Deuteronomy. We don't have to turn back there, but uh, it speaks about God's wishes uh, that as being restated to the second generation people. But this is the wishes that God spoke about the first generation. And, and that took place back in Exodus 20. Do you remember when the Israelites and Moses, Moses was going up on the mountain and the mountain was on fire and there was thunder and lightning and the people were scared to death. And you remember what they said. They said, don't make us listen to God. You go talk to God. You come back and tell us what he says. And God said about that fear that they had this. Oh, that they had such a heart in them that they would fear me and keep my commandments always, that it may be well with them and with their sons forever. God was glad they were fearful of him. But his desire is because they they were scared for what? They were scared for their lives, their very lives. How can someone listen to the word of God and and live any longer was their their concern. But God said, oh, that they had such a heart in them, this fearful heart, that they would fear me and keep my commandments always, that it might be well with them and with their sons forever. So while he accepted their fear, it wasn't the right kind of fear. It wasn't a compliment for them. And he's saying that now about, he's reiterating this to the second generation. This is the fear that, that God wants this second generation to have, that they would, they would fear him or who he is and that it would be something that would sustain them forever. In, in verses, or in chapter 10 of Deuteronomy, 10, 12 and 13 says, notice, now we've went from fear, um, now this is speaking about what God requires or requests from them. In Deuteronomy 10, 12 and 13, now Israel, what does the Lord your God require from you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him and to serve him, or to serve the Lord your God with all your heart 
and with all your soul, and to keep the Lord's commandments and his statutes, which I'm commanding you today for your good. If you do a word search, I didn't write all these numbers down. I'm not as diligent as Tommy is about keeping track. But if you anything that has to do with hear, hear, listen, heed, those those the book is just replete with those commands. Just replete with them. This this whole book, when you look at the an outline on on it, it is about them hearing and responding in obedience. And we're going to see more of that, aren't we, as we study here, even into the next chapter. So from 10 on, many, many more things uh, are uh, explained to them, set before them to consider uh, all the things we've talked about over the last three months. There were so many our heads swim thinking about them. But chapter 26, that's, that's the chapter just before 27 that Tommy led us in on Sunday. Right at the end of chapter 26, it says this in 16 through 18. Now listen to the tone, but first of all, it was a desire of God, and then it was a request or an expectation. Now listen to what it's turned into at the end of the book. This day the Lord your God commands you to do these statutes and ordinances. You shall therefore be careful to do them with all your heart and with all your soul. You have today declared the Lord to be your God, and that you would walk in his ways and keep his statutes, his commandments, and his ordinances, and listen to his voice. The Lord has today declared to you to be his people, a treasured possession, as he promised you and that you should keep all of his commandments and that he will uh, set you high above the nations which he has made for praise, fame, honor, and that you shall be consecrated people to the Lord your God as he has spoken. You see God's request through the book, build, and now it's a commandment and it's set with this lofty, beautiful, your mind. You are my people. It's like they have accepted him. He has accepted them. It's a beautiful thing. Or that is the desire. That is the goal. So, they have come. <clears throat> they have come to these mountains in, in chapter 27. And, and Tommy took us through 27. And we're going to talk a little bit about the setting. That's something we didn't talk about so much. And uh, just so we can get a little bit of a mental picture there. And constantly through uh, Deuteronomy, the the idea of choosing to do right, choosing to obey, is just always before you uh, when you read and study there. I've got a slide I want to show you here, if I find the right controller. Okay. Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim. This is not one of the pictures I took when I was in Israel. We did not get this vantage point. So we thank the Lord for the internet when it comes to things like this for sure, don't we? Uh, There you see Shechem lies right in the valley between those two mountains. I like this picture because the, the vantage point shows the mountains and how close they come together. Uh, the, 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 
the mounts slope down and the foothill portion of the mountains, uh, you, you can just uh, imagine how that was being used as we study uh, through this this evening. Um, <clears throat> I think probably, I don't know if you, uh, if you just think about it. Yeah, let's, let's uh, we'll look here. It's a little hard to see back there. Mount Ebal, the idea of disobedience comes up there, doesn't it? Uh, of course, let me see if I can see it back there. I can't see it. I'll look, I'll, you just have to look at back of my ball head here. <clears throat> of course, Mount Ebal associated with the curses. Also, the entire law was displayed. We read about that and studied that on Sunday, wasn't it? And also, there was an altar constructed there. An altar constructed of uncut stones. So, also, on the other side of Mount Gerizim, I don't think there's any importance to how... These, these don't look like big towering peaks so much, uh, but they are mountains for sure, and that's what they are called uh, in the text. <clears throat> Mount Gerizim, we associate that with the obedience side of this presentation, if you will, uh, and the blessings, of course, that are associated with Mount Gerizim. Uh, across the top there it says a natural amphitheater and that's kind of what I wanted you to think about when you look at this just imagine just imagine how many people were there millions Millions? somebody said millions yeah we don't know how many there's a bunch lots and lots of people so that doesn't look like that much of an expanse of real estate when you start seeing millions of people right But imagine the people, and it would probably be what I believe. In this instance, the women and the children are there. So, and we'll read about that in a minute. So, just imagine these these foothills here with perhaps the Levites. I'm doing a little speculation. The Levites in the middle. Uh, I'm pretty sure the Ark of the Covenant was here. If the Ark of the Covenant's there, the Levites are close to it. Okay. Uh, and so imagine what kind of coverage there could be of people sitting in this kind of stadium almost. They are, they are not there to be entertained. They are there to be encouraged to choose the right path. And it's kind of like maybe they're all going to eventually walk uh, the idea would be they don't walk up on this mountain or this mountain and walk down the path, but the idea is to make the right choice, isn't it? And it's certainly not evil. evil. So the easiest way to kind of get what happened is just go read the text. So we would look in Joshua uh, chapter 8 and verse starting at verse 30. And let's, uh, let's just read that together. And you can kind of already, you, you'll, you'll have some of these things in your mind. And with what you're looking at, it will help us kind of get a mental picture of what's taking place. Then Joshua built an altar to the Lord, the God of Israel, in Mount Ebal. Just as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the sons of Israel, as it is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of uncut stones on which no man had wielded an iron tool, And they offered burnt offerings on it to the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings. He wrote there on the stones a copy of the law of Moses, 
which he, which he had written in the presence of the sons of Israel. All Israel, with their elders and officers and their judges, were standing on both sides of the ark before the Levitical priests who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord. The stranger as well as, as I'm sorry, the stranger as well as the native. Half of them stood in front of Mount Gerizim and half of them in front of Mount Ebal, just as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had given command at first to bless the people of Israel. Then afterward, he read all the words of the law, the blessing and the curse, according to all that is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses had commanded, which Joshua did not read before all the assembly of Israel with the women and the little ones and the strangers who were living among them. So now we can look at the mount. We've heard the text of the account and we can kind of put the pieces together and see kind of what that was look, looks like. All of this, all of this was to invoke upon these people's heart the need to choose God, to choose obedience, to choose to follow the one who had rescued them from Egypt and provided for them. You know, you think about, this is the second giving of the law. You know, the, the first people never heard this because the first group never got this far. Just think about that. There's something special about this particular thing. This is something only the second generation experienced because the other, one, the other ones never, never got, got past uh, uh, turning back from the, the taking of the land. They, 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 they welched right there and there they stayed. So, so this, that's, that, that's a, an interesting concept too, that the law is being expounded upon because they've traveled farther and they're closer to their destination. So God is giving them more and more building them up. So up to that point, I'd open it up for anybody that just has a, a question or preferably a comment that would add to our, our study so far. Okay, I've not stumped anybody yet, so that's good. I was confused while I was doing it. Now, I, I just gotta stop here a little bit. You know, when you're reading these things, it is kind of how important are our choices based on this story when we look at God and the will of God in this story and the nature of God in this story. How important are our choices to the God we serve? They are of absolute most importance, aren't they? And we just have to ask ourselves when we ask this story, which one of those mountains up there is mine? You know, there was, there was some theatrics there, I think, for, for people to help them in some way, saying, this is not the mount I want to be on. Notice, too, that I just thought it was interesting that Mount Gerizim didn't have, uh, it did not have, it did not have the uh, law displayed, and it did not have the altar on it. There may be some subliminal teaching there for us. It's not needed over there. 
it's needed over there where the disobedience is. Now, now there's an altar on the other side that we know about. There's, there is, isn't there, for us today, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ, the sacrifice that he made. But it's just something to think about that where there is sin, there is need for an altar, and there is need for a law. And all of that was taken away through the cross of Jesus Christ. Carrie. These mountains are in northern Israel. They're kind of in the middle of Samaria. Yeah. It, I've always pictured them going over down across the, you know, Jericho and, and then just moving up. But yet they haven't taken any land yet. Is that right? right? How, well, how did they get to northern Israel? Well, I'm not strong enough to pull a cap on this. Let's see. When they first came in, I was trying to figure out the timing, and you have to go back and be refreshed. I had to be refreshed. I said, okay, it was right after the account in Eli that they were there uh, dealing with, with that. So, okay. Any, any thoughts, comments, others? Anything strikes you? Sarah? The, the map that I have, it looks like Ebal and Gerizim are about 20-ish miles north of Jericho. Not sure how far over it. So yeah. it's not it's not like Dan. <laughs> so. Yeah, they're they're about in the center east west, I think. So yeah. Yes. It's Mike. interesting because when you think about AI would have been a reminder of what happens to them when they don't obey God. And so they leave AI. Yeah. Yeah. They go to evil and garrison, and there's, you know, in the back of their minds, it's like, absolutely, the curses, we didn't obey God, there are the consequences. And so, uh, just, just plays right into God's plan. No, no coincidence there. 
Yeah. Everything went great at Jericho, didn't it? They crossed the river, everything went great, the water stacked up, all that was just wonderful. Priest's feet touched the ground, they all went, you know, <laughs> they go in there, the city wall fall down. They take that, everything's perfect, they go outside of camp a little bit. Achan, one guy, messed up the whole thing because he did not obey God. And boy, that was a demonstration of God's wrath towards disobedience, was it not? Not only was he punished, his whole family was eradicated and it marked as a cursed thing. Stones were piled up on top of them. So that would have been in the back of their mind, as Mike is referring to, as they are heading to Shechem. And then this, this dramatization, if you will, uh, if you want to call it that, this, this graphic, geographic reminder, uh, choose this, choose this, life or death. David. Okay. And pretty much due south of Mount Ebal and Mount Garris. Okay. Good. So they would have you know, gone west, conquered AI, and went straight north. And turned and, north. And it does have them about where you've gone. Okay. 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 I had confidence in my map, and I don't know why. <laughs> Thank so, you. <laughs> I also saw some other maps that had some had them in different places, which uh, I just went for the most repeated location, and that's that's where, and that's where I, I thought they were when I started thinking about it. But I'm I'm not good at remembering these geographic locations, uh, at least not anymore. Okay, so with all this in mind and this stated, um, we we stand on the cusp of chapter 28, and uh, I'm not going to read this because I will lose my, lose my voice, but I have a helper up here called Bose, and uh, I'm just going to play that for us. It's a long, long uh, chapter. I think Tommy said it may be the longest chapter in the Hebrew text, uh, so we, uh, I'll see if I can make this technology work on this, and we'll just go ahead and read through it, Okay. I've got a few comments. Be listening, and if there's things that you want to grab, there's a few verses uh, scattered through the reading that I want to go back and just kind of talk about. Kind of more of the same that I talked about to start the lesson. And then if there's any particular curse or blessing that you want to focus on, uh, try to remember that, and we'll try to go back and read that and talk about it in class while we're together this evening. So. Battery, 90%. Connected to dog's iPhone. Could be too much information for class. But. Lord your God, and carefully follow all his commands that I give you today. The Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on earth. All these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. You will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed, and the crops of your land and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks. Your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. 
The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction, but flee from you in seven. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hand to. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he is giving you. The Lord will establish you as his holy people, as he promised you on oath. If you keep the commands of the Lord your God and walk in obedience to him, then all the peoples on earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they will fear you. The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity in the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock, and the crops of your ground, in the land he swore to your ancestors to give you. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, to send rain on your land in season and to bless all the work of your hands. You will lend to many nations, but will borrow from none. The Lord will make you the head, not the tail. If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day, and carefully follow them, you will always be at the top, never at the bottom. Do not turn aside from any of the commands I give you today, to the right or to the left, following other gods and serving them. However, if you do not obey the Lord your God, and do not carefully follow all his commands and decrees I am giving you today, all these curses will come on you and overtake you. You will be cursed in the city and cursed in the country. Your basket and your kneading trough will be cursed. The fruit of your womb will be cursed, and the crops of your land, and the calves of your herds, and the lambs of your flocks. You will be cursed when you come in, and cursed when you go out. The Lord will send on you curses, confusion, and rebuke in everything you put your hand to, until you are destroyed and come to sudden ruin because of the evil you have done in forsaking him. The Lord will plague you with diseases until he has destroyed you from the land you are entering to possess. The Lord will strike you with wasting disease, with fever and inflammation, with scorching heat and drought, with blight and mildew, which will plague you until you perish. The sky over your head will be bronze, the ground beneath you iron. The Lord will turn the rain of your country into dust and powder. It will come down from the skies until you are destroyed. The Lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. You will come at them from one direction, but flee from them in seven, and you will become a thing of horror to all the kingdoms on earth. Your carcasses will be food for all the birds and the wild animals, and there will be no one to frighten them away. The Lord will afflict you with the boils of Egypt and with tumults, festering sores, and the itch from which you cannot be cured. The Lord will afflict you with madness, blindness, and confusion of mind. At midday you will grope about like a blind person in the dark. You will be unsuccessful in everything you do. Day after day you will be oppressed and robbed with no one to rescue you. You will be pledged to be married to a woman, but another will take her and rape her. You will build a house, but you will not live in it. You will plant a vineyard, but you will not even begin to enjoy its fruit. Your ox will be slaughtered before your eyes, but you will eat none of it. Your donkey will be forcibly taken from you and will not be returned. Your sheep will be given to your enemies and no one will rescue them. Your sons and daughters will be given to another nation and you will wear out your eyes watching for them day after day, powerless to lift a hand. A people that you do not know will eat what your land and labor produce, and you will have nothing but cruel oppression all your days. The sights you see will drive you mad. The Lord will afflict your knees and legs with painful boils that cannot be cured, spreading from the soles of your feet to the top of your head. The Lord will drive you and the king you set over you to a nation unknown to you or your ancestors. There you will worship other gods, gods of wood and stone. You will become a thing of horror a byword, and an object of ridicule among the peoples where the Lord will drive you. You will sow much seed in the field, 
but you will harvest little, because locusts will devour it. You will plant vineyards and cultivate them, but you will not drink the wine or gather the grapes, because worms will eat them. You will have olive trees throughout your country, but you will not use the oil, because the olives will drop off. You will have sons and daughters, but you will not keep them, because they will go into captivity. Swarms of locusts will take over all your trees and the crops of your land. The foreigners who reside among you will rise above you higher and higher, but you will sink lower and lower. They will lend to you, but you will not lend to them. They will be the head, but you will be the tail. All these curses will come on you. They will pursue you and overtake you until you are destroyed, because you did not obey the Lord your God and observe the commands and decrees he gave you. They will be a sign and a wonder to you and your descendants forever. Because you did not serve the Lord your God joyfully and gladly in the time of prosperity, therefore in hunger and thirst, in nakedness and dire poverty, you will serve the enemy the Lord sends against you. He will put an iron yoke on your neck until he has destroyed you. The Lord will bring a nation against you from far away from the ends of the earth, like an eagle swooping down, a nation whose language you will not understand, a fierce-looking nation without respect for the old or pity for the young. They will devour the young of your livestock and the crops of your land until you are destroyed. They will leave you no corn, new wine, or olive oil, nor any calves of your herds or lambs of your flocks until you are ruined. They will lay siege to all the cities throughout your land until the high fortified walls in which you trust fall down. They will besiege all the cities throughout the land the Lord your God is giving you. Because of the suffering your enemy will inflict on you during the siege, you will eat the fruit of the womb, the flesh of the sons and daughters the Lord your God has given you. Even the most gentle and sensitive man among you will have no compassion on his own brother or the wife he loves or his surviving children, and he will not give to one of them any of the flesh of his children that he is eating. It will be all he has left because of the suffering that your enemy will inflict on you during the siege of all your cities. The most gentle and sensitive woman among you, so sensitive and gentle that she would not venture to touch the ground with the sole of her foot, will begrudge the husband she loves and her own son or daughter the afterbirth from her womb and the children she bears. For in her dire need, she intends to eat them secretly because of the suffering your enemy will inflict on you during the siege of your cities. If you do not carefully follow all the words of this law which are written in this book and do not revere this glorious and awesome name, the Lord your God, the Lord will send fearful plagues on you and your descendants, harsh and prolonged disasters and severe and lingering illnesses. He will bring on you all the diseases of Egypt that you dreaded and they will cling to you. The Lord will also bring on you every kind of sickness and disaster not recorded in this book of the law until you are destroyed. You, who were as numerous as the stars in the sky, will be left but few in number, because you did not obey the Lord your God. Just as it pleased the Lord to make you prosper and increase in number, so it will please him to ruin and destroy you. You will be uprooted from the land you are entering to possess. Then the Lord will scatter you among all the nations from one end of the earth to the other. There you will worship other gods, gods of wood and stone, which neither you nor your ancestors have known. Among those nations you will find no repose, no resting place for the sole of your foot. There the Lord will give you an anxious mind, eyes weary with longing, and a despairing heart. You will live in constant suspense, filled with dread both night and day, never sure of your life. In the morning you will say, if only it were evening, and in the evening, if only it were morning, because of the terror that will fill your hearts and the sights that your eyes will see.
The Lord will send you back in ships to Egypt on a journey I said you should never make again. Then you will offer yourselves for sale to your enemies as male and female slaves, but no one will buy you. hard to listen to, isn't it? <clears throat> Maybe we just need to sit and think about that for a minute. <clears throat> Is there any facet of life that was overlooked with those curses? Was there any loophole? Was there any glimmer of hope Nothing. The plagues of Egypt, this makes the plagues of Egypt look like a walk in the park. It seems to me. Just for us to contemplate the disdain our Father has for disobedience in our lives. And and the fact that oftentimes our disobedience is just disinterest. Just a refusal to act, to decide, and we find comfort in that. I think God puts us here. So, what a heavy message was set before the children of Israel. <clears throat> they could not set or stand on Mount Ebal or Mount Gerizim and listen to that without having the same effect it had on us. And we serve a holy God, and he will, he will have his way with us. But on the flip side, there's another side to the coin. And the blessings that have been presented both in chapter 17 and chapter, or I'm sorry, not in 27 and 28. Is there any facet of life that was overlooked there? The blessings that were pre presented to the children of Israel in this account was joyous and overflowing and there would be nothing that could ever be wanted. What a promise was set forth there. And yet we, We look at them and we know they didn't do it. They stayed on Mount Ebal. If there's anything for us to learn here, it's not to repeat that mistake in our lives as individual followers of God and His Son, Jesus Christ. It is 
a frightful thing to consider. That our God is holy and he is jealous and he has claimed us for his own at great cost and he will not be let down. What a, a heavy lesson that is. But you choose life. You choose obedience. We make the right choices. And the, the darkness and the gloom and the heaviness of the message that was heard on one side is non-existent to the ones who are uh, redeemed by the blood of Christ, right? Have attached themselves to God then and now. There were faithful people back then. We just don't read about them. I have no doubt that when we, we know that when Jerusalem was being taken down in the most monstrous ways, who was carted off to Babylon under circumstances like we just read about? Well, one comes to mind that we always talk about Daniel. And what a, what a wonderful, bright spot he is in all this darkness. And there are others that we could talk about, but that's not our intent here. <clears throat> I just wanted to mention a, a couple things here. Uh, the, in verses 1 through 14 of chapter 28, uh, which is the... Uh, It, it starts out, and it, it, it presents the blessings portion of chapter 28, which is the bulk of uh, that. Needless to say, the blessings are, are heavily outnumbered by the cursings that are presented uh, in, in 27 and 28 together especially. Uh, but it, it talks in verses 1 uh, through 14, the blessings are talked about, and it starts out in verse 1. Just kind of notice how the thoughts of those blessings are bookended. Uh, verse 1 says that if you diligently obey the Lord, uh, and then look at 14, they close that same section with do not turn away. So what, they both say the same thing. Diligent serve the Lord, do not turn away. And then all the blessings are sandwiched in between. Um, <clears throat> just, just something to notice on how that was written and the assurance that is there. Uh, and we read assurance in all, all this that we uh, study tonight. Uh, and that we know that God's promises are true. In verses 15 through 68, of course, are the cursings. And uh, Deuteronomy 28, 45. So all these curses, is kind of a, it's a pause in the middle of all those curses. And it says, so all these curses shall come on you and pursue you and overtake you until you are destroyed. Because you would not obey the Lord your God by keeping his commandments and his statutes which he commanded you. They shall become a sign and a wonder on you and your descendants forever. Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and a glad heart for the abundance of, uh, for the abundance of all things. Then similarly, the same thing in Deuteronomy 28, 58 through 59 is another little rest, and it, it throws in this 
extra little bit of encouragement or explanation, if you will, if you are not careful to observe all the words of this law, which are written in this book, to fear this uh, honored and awesome name, the Lord your God, then the Lord will bring extraordinary plagues on you and your descendants, even severe and lasting plagues and miserable and chronic sicknesses. The character ends in... uh, the chapter here ends then in, with an allegory of Israel uh, returning to the bondage and despair of Egypt. It, it just kind of, they're all back home again in Egypt, you know, and it's like all this was for naught. And uh, now they're so worthless, there's no one that will even buy them that they can be sustained. So uh, there's only to die. You know, there's, there's nothing left. So it, it is a grim picture but it, it is it is accompanied and it, the blessings are so rich that I don't think they have to be outnumbered by the, the cursings it's just uh, the fact that we see God's nature in both sides of that and his will for us and this is the God we serve and so we take that to heart but we embrace God and we love him and we obey him and that's that's why we're sitting here tonight because we love him and obey him we want to know him better that we can uh, be the kind of people that will bring glory to him Mike you know, the burden on our hearts when we read this passage is the fact that we know that man cannot 100% obey God's word for every day of his life right so if you look at that, you say, okay, we see these blessings. If I 100% obey him, well, that's a hopeless cause because I can't do that, so I'll never get the blessings. I will always get their curses because I'll never be able to 100% obey him. And even, even today, when we, when we use the phrase, if we obey God, if we follow his commands, we can find ourselves thinking that same process. But we always have to remember, even back then, God had provisions and sin offerings that would allow them to become holy again in his sight. And then he ultimately made the provision through Christ and by his grace and mercy. And so I think this really points to their hearts. And it doesn't mean that they'll never misstep. But are their hearts toward God? And if they are, and if our hearts are toward God, then God's mercy and his grace and the forgiveness we have through Christ is yeah, all of them, even Daniel, the one who we, we would look at and say he was he lived for God. He prayed three times. He was God gave him special abilities. Uh, we know that he had God's favor. He was a man. He was sinful. Uh, of course, we we have yet the best uh, Mediator, We have the best Redeemer. We have Jesus Christ and, and the grace God's given us through Him and the redemption that is in His blood. So, absolutely. Don't, don't misunderstand me. Uh, I, I almost went ahead and put the cross up there underneath the blessings uh, and said, Here, here's where we need to be. Because it's the cross that, that gives us access to that. But uh, the obedience and the desire to obey and love and embrace God's will is, is what is what we're talking about here. Sarah. So one of the things that I've noticed throughout the whole book that Tommy's mentioned and also back in Numbers is talking about the land which the Lord your God gives you um, and 
I expected to see that more in here than I did. So I only found it in verse 8 and also in verse 52. It's mentioned in other ways, but... And then I looked at the verses following those two, and in the blessings, God reminds them that this is the land which I've given you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself if you keep the commandment of the Lord your God. The next time the Lord, the land which the Lord your God has given you, verse 52, it's followed by the most disgusting verses about cannibalism that exist. I mean, and pretty ugly. It's like yeah. it's a it's a reminder. This is what you could have had, but because you didn't obey, this is how low you're going to sink. You're, you're, <coughs> I mean, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And the land promise evaporated with their disobedience, didn't it? Uh, it, it just, God took it back. They were there for a little while, but they, they never, they never uh, claimed it. They never owned it. They never was fully blessed there with, with that land because they, out they went. Craig. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, we would not like living under an unjust God. That would be maybe worse than what we just read. So, good point. Good point. Tony. Yeah, it's kind of like trying to plant a garden in a desert. Tony, you speak a little loud. It's like trying to plant a garden in a desert where <laughs> that's what God has basically given to them. Here, if I interject myself, these are the things that I give to you. I have built a hedge around you. These are the blessings that will come to you only because I'm in your life. And I have brought these things your way. Without me, these things don't exist. And there's no hedge around you. And all the forces of this entire world are just going to come crashing upon you. And this is what will happen when you don't have me with you. And so the madness that you'll be driven to... Eating your children. That's what happened to Samaria there in, yeah. in Second Kings. They, they, one woman's child and the other one hit her, hit her child. Yeah. But that's all because they left God. Not yeah. because God necessarily had to inflict it upon them. He just said, okay, I'm not, I'm not yeah. going to help you anymore. And so isn't that an example of what happens to us? Yeah. When we say that we don't want God anymore, that he doesn't necessarily have to do anything to cause a curse upon us. Yeah. Just He has to just... Stop blessing us. Right. That's right. That's all he has to do is just withdraw. This is the natural consequences of your actions. If you don't want me as your God, okay, well, this is all the things that occur when I don't protect you. Amen. Amen. Good point. Thank you all. Tough chapters, good chapters for us to consider. And uh, Tommy will pick up on 20, with 29, unless he doesn't like what I did on 28. And then... I'm sure you'll hear more about it.
I'm happy to fill in for him when I can. He does such a good job. Oh, I didn't show you this real quick while you're sitting here. That was on Mount Eagle. They excavated that. It is an altar made of uncut stones. It, it, has, been, it has been excavated. I, I do not know the dimensions on it. Yeah, it, it is. I'm not sure if it's zoomed in or not. I'm not sure what the dimensions are, but that's that's what it would look like. And there's, of course, they're saying it's this this account, so it's in a good place to be this account. So. I couldn't find it. 